Welcome to another podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. You can find out more about CGI Burlington on our website at cgiburlington.org. It should be open. And I believe even among non-Christians, they can see what is happening around them and easily draw the conclusion that something is happening out of the ordinary. That we live in a time that is changing so fast that something is going on. And whether we are reluctant to admit that is another thing. But for I believe for people in the church, we have been warned to be aware of what's happening around us. We have been warned and we have been admonished as well to watch and to pray. I've heard repeated commentaries from time to time in the media and among people that this is no ordinary time that we are living in. And in the past month, we are seeing things are escalating. And even in Canada here, where I kind of detect, I detect, I detect a kind of uh, lax or refusal to admit that things can happen here too. Even with what happened at Parliament Hill a few months ago, People are still laid back and say, oh no, we are nice people, nothing will happen to us. And I think that we are in for a rude awakening. Because things that are happening in our world today have become interdependent. It happens in one area and it spreads to another. And soon enough it becomes a global concern And you see groupings like NATO and the G7 and the G20, the United Nations and so on getting involved. And that should send a message to us, brethren, that these things that are happening are not ordinary. They're not the norm. And so we as Bible-believing people, we are forced to ask this question because there is, uh, in the Bible... It speaks of a time that is going to be perilous before things really get, get really, really bad. So it, it speaks of a time of, if we want to use this language, warming up. When things are warming up for the bigger things to come. And believe me, there are really bigger things to come. So we see from Paris to California within the past two, three weeks... Things that have happened. And I'm wondering how many people have noted this. That in those two incidents, we've been hearing of terrorism for quite a while now, since 9-11 especially. An escalation in things that are happening. But I'm wondering how many people have taken note that suicide bombing has come to the Western nations. Because before... 
these were things that were happening in Jerusalem and in Lebanon and in, in those, some of those um, Islamic countries and so on. But this was the first time that we had a suicide bomber in the Western nations. Someone blowing up themselves. And it has never happened before. So what we see is a new reality. And personally, I believe it's a matter of time before we in Canada, because we're part of the Western bloc of countries. We're the capitalist, we are a capitalistic society. We are part of the big Satan, if you want to use that word. That's what we are seeing. We're the infidels. And what is happening here in our world today might very well force us to look at some of the prophecies that we embrace over the years and wonder how are they going to change with what's going on. The, the word of God says they will kill you and think they're doing God a favor. And this is what is going on regardless as is their God. To their God, it's a huge sacrifice. So you and I will walk into the mall tomorrow and you wonder if you're safe. Just like all those people this week were having their get-together. I doubt if anyone in that group was feeling insecure that, you know, they're just going to have a good time and go home. I doubt if anyone was thinking along the lines of what happened. And when these things begin to happen more frequently than they are now, this society will be gripped with fear. We are seeing the warming up of things to come. And I, and others as well, couldn't care less because it's going to reach a point where we couldn't care less if we want to be, if we're going to be accused of stigmatizing a certain group of people and so on. But you go on a plane and you see someone looking a certain way, you're going to get maybe a bit edgy. This is the world we're living in today. I remember after 9-11 I had to take a plane. And I saw a man dressed in all white with his little cap. And I kept looking at him. I couldn't help it. It's just a reality that we are dealing with in today's society. This was not happening 10 years ago. And who are committing the atrocities? Muslims. So how can we look at them in, I know I'm generalizing, it's not everyone doing it. I know they're the moderates and they're the extremists and all of that. But the fact is that they're the ones doing it. But our politically correct world is going to pay for that because there are some who refuse to accept that one has to look at a group differently because of what their teachings are. And that everyone else except them is the enemy. That is what their prescription for righteous living is. That is what it means to submit 
And the task, the task for them is to get the world to submit to their belief system. And they will kill for it. I was just listening a CNN commentator two nights ago. He studies uh, the ISIS people. And you know, just last night I was just doing some research and I just had to chuckle about the name Isis. He was a pagan god. Osiris, Isis, you know, the triune, yeah. And I'm wondering how many people even take note of that. I don't know if it have any significance, but it just dawned on me that. And the gentleman was saying, what came out of the California incident is going to puzzle the security forces. Because, look, in the literature of ISIS, basically what they tell people is this, or tell their adherents is this. Don't go a beard. Make sure you're clean shaven. You're friendly with people. They, they should accuse you of being very, very um, quiet and not troublesome. In other words, blend in with the society. Live your normal life. Be a peacemaker with everybody. Until that day when you're ready to give yourself to Allah. And this is what happened in California. Because you listen to people, oh, he was such a nice guy. He was so quiet. That is what their mission is. And society will not understand it. So when, when I see an accused terrorist is put on the stance in a courtroom to be tried by a judge, I, I'm wondering why, why they're doing that. Because if they will kill, don't you think they would lie to? That's a reality they're overlooking. Unless you study what these people are about, then you wouldn't have a clue what their stance are regarding certain things. So we live now in an age where on one hand we have terrorism and on the other hand we have some things happening as well that we should not even overlook. Because we see more and more a society that is drifting away from the God of Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. From Yahweh. And a society that is embracing an, a new thinking. A society that is looking for or consumed with the concept of anything goes. As long as it feels good, anything goes. The fun and the joy, that is all there is to life. So that is there on one hand. We have a generation of what they call now, I think most of us here are, are baby boomers, right? They have the millennials now. Those who were born, I think, maybe after 95. And they have a complete I can tell you this. A complete new outlook on life. And the roots are not in here. They are with the technolo technological advances that we have. They are more consumed with that. People are not getting into the word of God. And they are not studying. And they are not reading. They weren't even doing that before. So you can imagine what is going on now. So the question is, 
Are we in? Are we entering? Are we near? Are we warming up to the perilous times that the scriptures speak of? Because this perilous times is a forewarning to the people of God that, you know what? The second coming is nigh. It is near. The warnings are there in the scriptures and they cannot be ignored. We have to be, you know, each country nowadays have what they call a preparedness um, committee or ministry or department. Some call it disaster preparedness. Some call it emergency preparedness. They are preparing for disasters and wars and whatever. the, The child of God, we have to be in a constant state of preparedness. Preparedness for what? Not the disaster. Not the natural disasters or the disasters to come. By man's own infliction. We have to prepare for the return of Jesus Christ. That is our preparedness. So the warning is forceful. And anytime you want to reflect on the days that we are living in. You go to Matthew 24 because it's all laid out there. It's all in that chapter. Book of Revelation, Daniel, and so on. But I want to back up a bit before I go into Matthew 24. Because in Deuteronomy 30, when the nation of Israel, when God was giving them the blessing, He also warned them about certain things. That if you do this, then this is going to happen. But if you don't do this, then this is also going to happen as well. Verse 16 says, In in that I command you this day to love the Lord thy God, to walk in his ways, to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, that thou mayest live and multiply, and that the Lord shall bless thee in a land whither thou goest to possess it. So there's a warning there to, to abide and to, to adhere and to admonish and to follow the word of God. But today, even the commandments of God are viewed as archaic and out of touch and out of sync. And people who follow them are living in the dark ages. And you find that even in churches are teaching that. They're no longer relevant to today's society. And what an error is that? And what a blunder is that? If if thine heart turn away, so that you will not hear, but shall be drawn away, and worship other gods, and serve them, I denounce you this day. Now, this is, this is God speaking, you know. It's not, it's not Prime Minister Trudeau coming with all kinds of things. This is the creator of the universe speaking. He's the one who fashioned you and I. He's the one who created everything. He's the one who is omniscient, who is, who is omnipresent, who is omnipotent, and who is sovereign. And he says, this day, I'm telling you this. If you don't do this, this is what is going to happen. So who are we as little human beings to decide what is right and what is wrong? 
That is not our prerogative. That's not the prerogative of a university professor or a group of advisors to the minister of, of social security or whatever. It's only God who can determine what is right and what is wrong. It's only God who can determine what is holy and what is unholy. No one else. We can set our parameters and we can decide, oh, this is right and this is wrong. But you don't have the authority to do it. And no wonder our society is in a mess as it is today. So God says, if you do not do this, I'm going to denounce you this day. You shall surely die and you shall not prolong your days upon the land with your pass over Jordan to possess it. So this was given to Israel. But what difference does it make in today's day and age? Does it really make a difference whether it was given to Israel? No. We still abide by the word of God. Listen this. It's like you're in a courtroom and the judge calls a witness to hear what you're going to say. Why? Because they want it to be recorded that you said this. The word of God says, I call heaven and earth to record this against you. Heaven, where all the heavenly hosts are, the angels and the, the seraphims and the, and, the, and the cherubims and all those powerful messengers of God, they are bearing witness this day. And on earth, the people themselves are the witnesses, the elders of Israel and so on. And he said, this day, I call heaven and earth to record this. To bear witness that I have set before you life and death and blessing and cursing. And my advice to you is to choose life. Why? That you may live physically then, but it has even more meaning than that. You may live in the ages to come. In the ages to come. So that was God speaking at that time to Israel. So you go back into the centuries, millennia, and you see what has been happening. Because that warning has not been heeded. That warning has not been heeded. Some have, but not all. And so today, in the year of our Lord 2015, we have the scientists and we have the environmentalists, we have the astronomers and the, the physicists and the microbiologists and the sociologists and the geologists saying the same thing. They cannot determine the future of this planet. They can't. They don't know where it's going. So they're even preparing now to carry people to Mars. They're so confused. They're so confused. You have people paying down money to go on a ship to go to Mars. For what? It just shows you how, how crazy this world has become. So it's, it's our planet. It's either heading for a disaster or for progress. Today we have an environmental movement that is on par with a religious movement. 
Because the environment has seemed to have become a new God. Where people channel all their energies into green, the green, you have even a green party. Most countries have a green party today. And so if you drink out of a water bottle, you hear, oh, you're destroying the environment. Because the plastic is not biodegradable, so you're going to throw it in the whatever. If you put on a, 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 a diaper on your baby, oh, you hear it's bad for the environment. And it may be so. But so what? Is this world going to last forever? <laughs> no. It won't last forever. So we have all these movements and these fanatics and they, they'll go in the street and they demonstrate about this and about that. You have the women, uh, these um, Peter people, just naked, I mean, go in the street naked, protesting animal rights. And you have all these kind of rights. Everybody wants rights, rights, rights. And nobody focusing on the wrongs, wrongs, wrongs. They all overlook that. Just rights, rights, rights. Well, brethren, I have three words that I want you to embed in your thought process. And these words are chaos, death, and destruction. Because that is what we as a society are going to face. Are facing now and will face in the coming years. Mark them. Chaos, death, and destruction. The perilous times that are spoken of in the Bible. These three words are going to be active, will be active, right to the end of the age. The problems we deal with today, they're, they're, yes, they're economic, they're social, they're political, they're ecological, they're environmental, they're cultural, and they're spiritual. Our society is focused on all of these other problems, Except, except the spiritual problem. And it's no wonder we have all of these challenges in our lives. Because we are using physical means to try to solve spiritual problems. And it can't happen. The spiritual is different from the physical. It can't happen. I was reading recently... On the state of the world's resources. And the document says natural resources such as oil, gas, nuclear energy are depleting to such a level that in another 40 years or so, they would have reached their peak. They would have reached their peak. In other words, after 40 years, it's just going to start deplete, dropping. That is serious. Because the consequences of that are unpredictable. When this happens, brethren, the global economy will be in crisis. And possibly even before. The United Nations estimates that because of population growth, pollution and global warming, the average person's water supply will be cut by a third in 20 years. Just a third. So in other words, the water that we have now, your supply in 20 years or the availability will be cut. Will be cut. 
by a third. And we've been here in Hoke. We are blessed in Canada. With, I think we are one of the few countries with such an abundant of fresh water supply. Well, you know what? The fresh water supply may be here. I can't even drink it. And that's another story. Because without adequate water, death is tearing us in the face. So it's chaos. So it's destruction. Because there will be famine and there will be diseases and so on. And once you touch famine and you touch diseases, brethren, you know what? The images that are coming before our eyes, a time when the four horsemen of the apocalypse will ride. Revelation 6. And we know when these four horsemen begin to ride, may God have mercy on us. Because if we are in the perilous times and these things are happening now, can you imagine when the four horsemen ride? The first horseman, a white one, who represents a false Christ. And with that white horse, there will be confusion on the land, because this one will be coming in Christ's name and deceiving people. Another one will be coming and say, oh, I am the Christ. That one is false. So there will be confusion. There will be chaos. There will be chaos. And if you are not grounded in the word of God, you will get confused. Because the word of God tells us, Jesus himself uttered these words. And it's in Matthew 24, we'll reach there at some point. But he says, if they tell you that there's a, there's a, a Christ over there, don't go. He's not the real one. And brethren, you look at a scenario that is playing up. In our society today. And this is what it is. The world is looking for someone. To solve its problems. It's looking. For a kind of human savior. To solve its problem. And one only has, has to look. At what happened with President Obama. When he was inaugurated. The whole world came to a standstill. Why? Because they're looking for someone who can get the our society out of the quagmire that it's in. And we see where that is leading to. Because in Thessalonians, the Bible talks about a man of sin, Thessalonians 4, Thessalonians 4 who will going to exalt himself above God. And, and, and expectedly, the world is going to gravitate towards him because he's going to be seen as a kind of savior. And people are so blinded that they overlook the real savior. So when that horseman rides, chaos. And he's only the first of four. Second is red horse, blood. War, that what comes from war, blood. The third horseman, black. Famine. What comes from war? Famine. The fourth horseman, gray horse, representing pestilences and diseases, and that comes from famine. So all we see in those four horsemen, Death and destruction. But that's for another sermon. I don't want to get too deep into that. Because 
the perilous times will precede the four horsemen. The perilous times is a kind of warming up. So this is the other extreme that we are looking on. Well, Islam going on with its madness, here's another scenario on the other side. So when people are, are engaged too much to see what's going on with Islam, then something is going on that we cannot ignore. Because no one can deny the rise of secularism globally and the effects it has been having on the Christian religion. There seems to be an increased tendency now towards agnosticism, atheism, and all of that. Why? Because when people see what is going on, their conclusion is that there can be no God who sits by and allow a gunman to go into a stadium and just shoot people random like that. That's their, that's their, um, their, their theory. And you know, in a sense, because you and I are converted people, so we can see why God would allow something like that, like that to happen, but they can't see. Because we, look, we are living in a society that is looking for to see God physically. I have to see Him to believe Him. Not knowing that God is a spirit. And that's why we must worship him in spirit and in truth. So we have the rise in atheism and agnosticism and so on. And on the other hand, we have rise in fundamentalism. And that is where Islam comes in. I can bloat myself because I'm going to go to heaven to be with virgins. That's a reality for them. I can, I can send a plane into the World Trade Center because immediately I will be in paradise because I'm a martyr for Allah. You can't convince them otherwise. So what does all this mean for the church today, the body of Christ, when we see these things happening? Are we preparing to meet our returning king. Brethren, all of what I've just gone through briefly here because I'm just jumping from one subject to the other because it's a huge subject to talk about. All of what I'm talking about here can easily be identified with what Matthew 24 predicts that what will happen and you've heard this chapter read over and over again so I won't really be going through it in your spare time you can look at some of the or you can look at the message that is in this For example, in verse 6 it says, You shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you not be troubled. That's the thing for us, you know. I cannot tell you how many times in the word of God in the New Testament, the word fear is mentioned. That as Christians, we should not be fearful. 
It says you should not be troubled about what is happening. So when I see things happening, I have to admit, admit, I get a little excited. I get a little excited when I see somebody. I know lives are being lost. I know the grief that is out there among people who have lost loved ones. But sometimes I get a little excited. Why? Because the word of God is coming clearly across to us that this was meant to be. It says, see that you not be troubled. Why? For all these things must come to pass. And then it adds a little statement here. But the end is not yet. So you mean things are going to get worse than how it is now? (laughs) I tell you, this is not anything. Compare to the graphic imagery, imagery That we see like in the book of Revelation and Daniel and so on. That is going to come. Verse 8 says. All these are the beginning of sorrows. All these are the beginning of sorrows. You know what the word sorrow really mean there? In some of your translation, and in most translations, it says sorrow. Some of you have a marginal Bible. Another meaning rendered there is birth pangs. More the later ones have that terminology. Birth pangs. The women in this room and some of the men will know what that is. You're with child. You're about to deliver. And you feel a jerk. And you wonder, is the baby coming now? But it goes away for a little while. And it comes back again. But this time when it comes back, it's a little more intense. And so the process goes on and it gets more and more intense until it becomes unbearable. And then the baby is born. The analogy here is that these things that we see happening is the warming up. The word I used earlier. The phrase I used earlier. So we see something happen here. You know, you may not hear of another terrorist incident for another six months. A year. And guess what? Everybody forget. We have a tendency as human beings. We live in a society with so much attraction and distraction. That when things happen, it passes through your mind so quickly. And then when it occurs again, it's oh, but it did happen. The same thing here. So, for example, when the Ebola virus hit the nations in the 1980s, I remember, there was panic. People were saying, wow, this is a deadly fever, hemorrhagic fever, whatever it was. And people just, once you get it, that's it. That was in the 1980s. So people forgot about Ebola. Until when? It's a few months ago. It came back. This time very more virulent. It, it came with more power this time. 
And if you remember the state of panic in nations around the world, even in Canada, there were calls to ban people coming from Sierra Leone and those Liberia and those countries where it had taken hold. In the U.S., they were planning to ban travel as well. So people were panicking. But what happened since 1980, between 1980 and this year? They forgot about it. But it came back with a stronger dose. Brethren, watch when it returns again. These are the signs Matthew 24 is warning us about. The leading up to the perilous times. So what we see here, believe me, is just a little warming up. It, it, there's, there's worse to come. There is worse to come. So much so that the scriptures even warn that woe unto them that are with child or give suck in those days. The days, the terrible days. Pray that your flight be not in the winter or on the Sabbath day. Because it's not a pretty picture that we are going to look at. It's not pretty. So we see one man go, or, or one person today goes into a parliament and I'll just relate it to our local situation here in Canada a few months ago and he holds the whole nation or whole parliament hostage right in Ottawa there, right at our doorstep and believe me it's just the warming up in Deuteronomy 32, 30, it, it, it has a very interesting text, uh, scripture here. It says, how should one, and it, it, this book is continuing in the line of what I just read in 30 about the warnings. If you don't heed my word, you know, this is going to happen to you. It says, how should one, one, chase a thousand and two, put 10,000 to flight. In other words, how can one man allow, be so dangerous that he's forcing thousands to run away? How? How is that possible in this day and age? For one man to have so much power. Except their rock. And we know who is the rock in scripture. Jesus Christ had sold them and the Lord had shut them up. Deuteronomy 32, verse 16. They provoke him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations they provoke him to anger. I believe our actions today, and when I say we, I'm not meaning people in this room, but our society. I think we are provoking God so much Today, that when we cry, when we cry to him, when society cries to him, he ignores those cries. Because their transgressions have become a barrier between him and those people. We provoke him. How? God is jealous. He says he's jealous when we put other gods before him. 
that is clearly established in the word of God. And with what is happening in our society today is as if there's a deliberate attempt for anything that looks Christian to be outlawed. Once you have, once you follow the God of the Bible, we don't want to hear anything from you. So there's more tolerance for other religions than the word of God, than the Christian God. It's obvious. I've heard people who are not Christian saying it. I've heard commentators, I've read columnists who are saying it. That why there's so much criticisms of the God and this nation was supposedly founded by the God. Or, or the principles in which it was founded was based on scripture. So I find this so fitting with what's going on today. They provoke him to jealousy with strange gods. With abominations they provoke him to anger. They sacrifice unto devils and not to God. To gods whom they knew not. To new gods that came newly up. Whom their fathers fear not. Everything, every other kind of god. They gravitate to whether it's a new age movement or some... Um, Wiccan or whatever. They love that. When the books come out. When the movies hit the screens. Ridiculing the true God of the Bible. People flock to it. And they become box office hits. And they become bestsellers. But when Tom Harper wrote. Two years ago. The Pagan Christ. When he was trying to show that the Bible borrow. A lot of his teachings from the old mystery religions. It went to number one for weeks. Why? Because people want to hear. When Daniel Defoe starred in The Last Temptation of Jesus Christ a few years ago, it became a hit because it showed that Jesus had whores. That is what people want. That's where the appetite is. As long as it ridicules the scriptures, they will support it. Or God is not sleeping. He's wide awake. But people live their lives as if he's sleeping. So is he jealous today? Is he annoyed today? He's, is he smiling? We know and we teach that God is calling. He's not trying to save the world. We teach that and we, we embrace that. But on the other hand, we have people who have taken uh, who, who, have, who, are, who are living a life as if their mission here is just to provoke and to ridicule the God of the Bible. And, and, you, and you know what, brethren? They're in high places. They're in the Hollywoods and they're in the halls of fame and they're in the parliaments and they're in the where, wherever power is. Wherever power is. Verse 18. Of that rock that beget thee. Thou art unmindful. Unmindful. The rock that beget thee. Begat thee. You, thou art unmindful. We don't pay him any mind. Jesus Christ. And hath forgotten God. That formed thee. That created thee. We were gone as if we created ourselves. And I had people telling me, who, who, who is this God to tell me how to live my life? 
Uh, people said that to me. Your God is going to dictate to me how to live my life. So you know what I said to the person? Did you create yourself? Because that is how people look. You know, the perilous, one of the things that perilous, one of the signs of the perilous times, and I'm coming to that, is that people will be lovers of their own selves. That is one of the signs. Write that one down. Because it is so common today. Lovers of pleasure and lovers of their own selves. And they will go to the extent of questioning the prerogative and the authority of the one who created them. Verse 19, And when the Lord saw it, he abhorred them, because the provoking of his sons and of his daughters... He, he, he was in horror when he saw this. And he said, I will hide my face from them. So when the plane ran into the building on 9-11, the churches were full the following Sunday. And maybe Saturday too. But guess what? A month after, they were empty again. So I will only use God for convenience. When I want him, I'll just run and, 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 and pray and be righteous. And when I don't need him, I don't care who you are. That's how they use God, you know, like a dirty rag. You know, you have a dirty rag on the floor and you see a little water spill and you use it. You dash it in the garbage. That's how people view God. The one who created them. Convenience. So when he's in trouble, when they're in trouble, he said, I will hide my face from them. I will see what their end shall be, for they are a very forward generation, children in whom is no faith. Brethren, this applies to to us so much today. They have moved me to jealousy with that which is not God. They have provoked me to anger with their vanities. And I will move them to jealousy with those which are not a people. I will provoke them to anger with a foolish nation. Ah. So he will use nations, even other people. We are founded on Christian principles, but we don't respect them. So we are going to use other nations. You may regard as foolish nations to do what? punish you to punish you so we ask in this day and age where where is God in all of this where is is God where is the God of the Bible Uh, God we need you we need you but they are not saying we we need you when there is trouble what about when there is no trouble do we need him that's the ingratitude that Israel had that's the ingratitude of the nations today. Psalm or Leviticus twenty six fourteen. If you will not listen to me and carry out these commands, and if you reject my decrees and abhor my laws and fail to carry them out all my commands and so violate my covenant, then I will do this to you. I'm going to do this to you. And this is the word of God. God, God's, word, God's words don't fall in vain. He doesn't say them and they don't, he doesn't mean it. He doesn't speak idle words. 
What he's going to do, brethren? I will bring on you sudden terror. Imagine that. When these translators were translating the Bible in the 16th century, I don't think they had a concept of what the word terror is. I don't think they knew what terrorism is. But yet in the 21st century, we have this word in the Bible that is clear. And we have an understanding. So we can see where this was meant for our day and age. Because God is saying here, if you reject me, and you reject my laws, I will do this to you. I will allow it, in other words. I will bring you sudden terror. I will bring you wasting diseases. I will bring you the Alzheimer's and the dementia. And all those muscular degenerative diseases, whether it's multiple cirrhosis or, or um, this other one, um, MD. All of those diseases, they will happen. They're called wasting diseases. Now, nowadays, there seems to be a proliferation of these um, diseases. All the newer muscular diseases, the Parkinson's and the amyotrophic lateral cirrhosis, all of those diseases. We see them happening now. They're called wasting diseases. And fever. The hemorrhagic fevers in Africa and Middle East and the meningitis and all of those things. We see them coming back. They're for a reason. They will destroy your sight and sap your strength. This is exactly what they're doing. You will plant seed in vain. And this one is coming, you know. You will plant seed in vain. And your enemies are going to eat it. How? How is that possible? It will happen. Whether through export or whatever. It will happen. But when you realize. Especially we enter in a time during the winter here. That if those trucks don't come through the border. With all of those nice fresh broccoli and peppers and carrots and so on. From down California and Mexico and Florida. If they stop for three days. You know what's going to happen in this country? There's no food. We only have three days supply of food in this country. So if something happens, you imagine if the terrorists blow up all of those bridges that connect, US, connect us to the United States. Alternative arrangements would have to be made to get us food in the middle of winter. In the middle of winter. We are so fragile. So fragile. But you think the man driving by QEW here has that on his mind? You think the man in his limousines cruising, enjoying life with his cell phone and all his appointments tonight and all the parties he's going to attend, you think he's thinking about this? <laughs> no way. His mind is somewhere else. But the people of God, we must be aware of these things. That's all I'm saying. I will set my face against you so that you will be defeated by your enemies. And when the war is on, that is when they're going to have a nerve to pray to God to deliver them or to give them victory. The word of God says, I will set my face against you and you will be defeated by your enemies. It's going to happen. 
And those who hate you will rule over you. And the way it's going on now, with our leaders without any backbones, they don't have any backbone, they're amoebas. Because they won't stand up. In the name of political correctness, they won't stand up. So they will let in 50,000 refugees because what? They know those 50,000 refugees will vote for them and they will get vote. And they're not looking at the reality of things. That is how they think. That is how they think. So they want anything bad or, or, or having our interests to secure the nations by tough measures. They won't. So, you will be defeated by your enemies who hate you and they will rule over you and you will flee even when no one is pursuing you. You see what I'm talking about? I'm going into the mall to buy my groceries and I have to keep looking back. Nobody's following me, but I have to keep looking back. This is the atmosphere that is being created right now, brethren. And you, you, you see where it's going. Because if you're in France today, the people walking down all of those malls, shopping, you think they're not looking back to see what's going on? Even when no one is following them, they're looking back. We can see how the word of God comes to life. That was written way back by Moses. Now, it's just rolling off the pages and it was so clear to us. Ezekiel 21, 12. Cry and howl, son of man, for it shall be upon my people, it shall be upon all the princes of Israel. Terrors by reason of the sword shall be upon my people. Smite therefore upon thy thigh. Terrors. The prophet Ezekiel used that word as well. And David did too. Even King David did too as a ruler. But he didn't know it was prophetic. I doubt that. Psalm 73, 19. He asked, How are they brought into desolation? As in a moment, they're utterly consumed with terrors. With terrors. Proverbs one twenty five says, You have set at naught all my counsel, and would none of my reproof. I will also laugh at your calamity. I will mock when your terror when your terror comes. I will mock when your terror comes. So brethren, the perilous times I believe is creeping upon us. Some people may say it's wearing it already. We are surrounded by perilous things. That are happening in our day. These are serious times. Proverbs 1.29 says. They hated knowledge. And they did not choose the fear of God. They would none of my counsel. They despise all my reproof. Therefore they shall eat of the fruit of their own way. And be filled with their own devices. I think the United States and Canada too will have to soon realize that the problems is right in their midst. It's not the man who coming from wherever country with a passport and or, or a woman coming with their eyes 
You can't see their face. It's not that. It's right in their own backyard. Because this is a philosophy that transcends borders. They're right here. Even as I speak right in this country, they're here already. It's a philosophy. And people buy into it. You have young, sincere Muslim parents now who are abhorred because their children have gone to be indoctrinated and don't even know. Right here in this country. It's a philosophy. We have the evil one, the adversary, Satan, the devil, working over time for us. People don't realize he works over time. That's his mission. You think he has anything else to do? He doesn't have anything else to do. That is his job description. is to target you and I. He knows every one of us here. Don't you think he knows your name? He knows. And he's coming for us. But we've been warned to put on that armor, that breastplate. He's going to use the perilous times for some of us to try to, to, to lose our faith. To become disheartened and disappointed because God is not doing anything. God is in charge. He knows what he's doing. Second Timothy 3.1 Know this also that in the last days perilous times shall come. Men shall be lovers of their own selves. Oh, it's me. I have to do it for me. It's me. It's my life. Let it be. I, whatever I do, it's for me. What is that, brethren? Self-love. Self-love. Covetous. You know my neighbor has a new Benz. I should get one too. You can work hard and get your Benz in there without even looking at no neighbor whether the neighbor has it or not. But society, one phone come out tonight. I have to get that one before anybody. So I'm going to line up tonight from before before the sunset tonight, I'm lining up at Best Buy because I want it first thing tomorrow morning. And so it, 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 there's a catching on everybody wants. It's coviciousness in a sense. Because when there were no cell phones, what did you do? It's necessary. But I believe people go over it too badly, too much. Why would you want to line up in minus eight to get a phone? So these things happen in our society and we take them lightly. But look between the lines, brethren. Look between the lines. They are boasters too. Do you know that the word pride, that pride, the characteristic of pride, is now a virtue in our society? The Bible condemns it. It's one of the seven deadly sins. But pride in our society is a virtue. I am proud of this. I am proud to be this. They even have a, a pride parade. You realize that? They even have a pride parade and nobody sees anything wrong with people flaunting their sins and they are proud of it. You know, that, you know what burns my heart with that? When we have young parents 
middle-aged parents and even senior parents carrying their children and their grandchildren to those parades. That is what burns my heart. That is what upsets me when I see that happen. And you're going to hear, oh, you have to love everybody. You have to be tolerant of everybody. I'm not disputing that, but there's a line to be drawn. I'm not telling you to go out there and beat them up or not give them any jobs. No, there is a line to be drawn. Blasphemers. Oh, I hear that one every day. That one is so common. People just using God, as I said, like a dirty rag and they do all kind of stuff. Say all kind of stuff. It's horrible. Disobedient to parents. That, that is another story. That is another story. Growing up in my village, I, cannot, I can remember never heard of a murder. In the last month, I must have heard at least either two or three cases right here in, in the GTA. Of a child killing a parent. That's the level it has reached now. And it happens the other way too. Parents killing children. Children killing parents. So it's no disobedience here. It's, it, the heart's gone through the gate a long time with that. But this is where it's reached now. Parental abuse, we hear about. You don't hear about that enough, but it happens as well. And what we see in our society now, brethren... Is the children doing the parenting? It's not the parent. It's not the parent parenting the child. It's the child parenting the children. I saw a, I saw an imagery on Facebook last week with a member of my family, and I'm going to talk to her personally when I see her. She showed a picture because she was proud of the picture. With her little boy sitting at the other end of the... They were traveling on some train and he was sitting by himself in a seat. And they were on the other side. And what she wrote... Oh, I don't remember his name. But if his name was Justin. Oh, Justin was upset to me, with me today. So he, he sat on the other side. I said, oh my. You're not in charge of Justin. Just in charge of you. Because Justin went on his own and sit and you do nothing to correct that. You put it on Facebook boasting. Brethren, is the children parent is the children parenting the parent? If you want to use it that way, very awkward in saying it. But that is what's going on. Unthankful. I'm going through these perilous signs. Unthankful. They get up every day and they give thanks to everybody else except God. They give thanks to the boss for putting bread on the table when we know it didn't come from the boss. It comes from the sustainer of life, the creator. And they give, they, they give Mother Nature all the credit for the food. Mother Nature. Thanksgiving Day. Some say prayers and give thanks to God, but others, they just eat the food. Is that due to them? It's obligated to them. Unholy. Well, they always attack this one. 
They always attack the holy. Why? Because they are unholy. Without natural affection, choose breakers, liars, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, all common traits we see happening. Traitors, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. And here is one. Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. There's so many people there would come with all kind of spirituality. As long as it's a spirituality, it's okay. I could be worshipping a stone or a tree. As long as it's spiritual, nothing is wrong with it. The scriptures say, from such, turn away. Don't encourage them. Don't. You can say, hi, hello. But invite me to your home for what? Brethren, the word no from the Greek kinosko means knowledge. That's what it means. Knowledge. And the word of God says my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. And we can see that because people don't have time for God. People don't have time to read their own Bible. Nowadays they are more consumed about texting and watching this and watching that. They don't have time to realize the times that we are living in. That it's perilous times. That it is dangerous times. The word of God in the book of Hosea points to a time that is coming and I believe it's right here when God says I'm going to forget your children because you've forgotten my laws. Are you going to the prisons? You see the prison population? It's terrible. Because they're all young people. They're all young people. So what do we do? We have been admonished. There's so much things I want to say here today. But brethren, we know for lack of time, I won't be able to get through it. But I'll, all I want to leave with, want you to walk away with today is that we have to put our trust or continue because we should be doing that. To continue to put our trust in Yahweh through His Son, the Christ. There's a little story in First Samuel 30 with a great man, a powerful leader, the most respected and powerful king ever to come out of Israel. We are told that when Jesus Christ returned, He's coming to return to, to inherit the throne of His father David, spiritually, of course, just to show you the significance of this man in the Word of God, and He sets an example. For us here. That how we should. Be living. Our lives. Chapter 30. First Samuel verse 1. It came to pass. They were at war. Israel was at war. It came to pass. When David and his men. Were come to Ziklag. On the third day. That the Amalekites. Invaded the south. And Ziklag. 
and smitten Ziklag and burn it with fire. So the fire was, the city was on the fire. And had taken the women captives that were within. They slew not any, either great or small, but carried them away and went on their way. So David and his men came to the city, and behold, it was burned with fire, and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Imagine that. They just captured all their women and their sons. Then David and the people that were with him lift up their voice and wept until they had no more power to weep. They cried and cried till there were no more tears. They cried and cried that they were they had no other, no more energy. Some of us have witnessed this at funerals and so on. You see people just grieve and they cry till they, they just couldn't go anymore. This was the scenario here. And David's two wives were taken captives. Aniahom, the Jezreelites, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And David was greatly distressed. Of course, we're human. He was human. For for the people spake of stoning him. Imagine that their king, this well-respected king, the people were so disenchanted and they didn't know what to do. They were even thinking of stoning David. Because the soul of all the people was grieved. And every man for his sons and for his daughters. But David encouraged himself in his God. David turned to God. That's all about he could do. He turned to God. So I'm saying to us today, brethren, as we go through these perilous times, as we are approaching or we are in it, whatever, the task for us is to keep our eyes on the Christ. Keep our eyes on the heavenly throne, the heavenly Father. And not for a moment should we take our eyes off him. Deuteronomy 33.26 When Moses was coming to the end of his life and the great leader was addressing the children of Israel before they would go into the promised land of Canaan just like how we are preparing to go into the kingdom of God we can see a parallel here. David had some words for Israel, he said, There is none like the God of Jeshurun who rides the heavens to your help, and through the skies in his majesty. The eternal God is a dwelling place, and underneath are the everlasting arms. And he drove out the enemy from before you, and said, Destroy. It's the same way God is going to destroy our enemies because He is going to give us the victory. We are told that in 1 Corinthians 15 that He is the one who is going to give us the victory. And we believe that as well. It says in verse 57, But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory 
through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain. And our labor is not going to be in vain, for sure. Job 34.10 Therefore, hearken unto me, you men of understanding, far be it from God that he should do wickedness, and far from the Almighty that he should commit iniquity. For the work of a man shall he render unto him, and cause every man to find according to his ways. Yea, surely God will not do wickedly, neither will the Almighty pervert judgment. He won't. He knows what he is about. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord. Psalm 133, 12. And the people whom he has chosen for his own inheritance. The Lord looks from heaven. He beholds all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation he looks upon all inhabitants of the earth. He fashions their heart alike. He considers all their works. There is no king saved by the multitude of an host. A mighty man is not delivered by much strength. And horse is, in, is a vain thing for safety. Neither shall he deliver any of his great strength. Behold, the eye of the Lord is upon them that fear him. Upon them that hope in his mercy. To, li- to deliver their soul from death. And to keep them alive in famine. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart shall rejoice in him. Because we have trusted in his holy name. Let thy mercy, O Lord, be upon us. According as we have hope in thee. Brethren, we are at God's mercy. All of what is happening and all of what will happen we will be at God's mercy the perilous times are upon us and it's for us to be prepared and to take note of the things that are will happen and the things that are happening but we just have to remember that we worship a God whose mercy endureth forever and that he is the hope of our salvation So may God continue to be with us, all of us, wherever his people are, until that day when we know we shall look at his face and we shall see him as he is. May God bless you. This has been a podcast from the Burlington Congregation of the Church of God International. We hope you are blessed by it. To find out more about CGI Burlington, visit our website at cgiburlington.org.